0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at VineyardNorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. So we're uh, we're kind of really coming to the end of this series uh, that we've called Religious Detox and. Um, and and you know we're talking about spiritually detox of, de- detoxing from uh, teachings and practices that run counter to the gospel of grace that Paul presents in, in throughout his letters. And uh, uh, hold on just a moment. I'm, okay, we interrupt the sermon for a disturbing announcement from the religious broadcast system. Hold on just a second. Okay. All right, I'm getting this. Christ died on the cross for you. He saved you from guilt, from your sins. You're now forgiven. He paid your debt by dying for you. Now, don't just sit there being thankful. Get to work. You're a mess. You sin too much. You need to fight sin and temptation harder. Deny yourself. Crucify your, your sinful desires in your flesh. Starve those sinful cravings. Try harder not to Sin. What a sinner you are. You've been saved by grace, but don't just take that for granted. You become lazy and, and careless if you do, and God can't stand that. Is that all? Yeah, that's it. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> yes, indeed. That is a bull malarkey. <laughs> yeah. I can't say that word anymore. We are live streaming. Um... But guys, here's the deal. Here, here's the, the truth about what, what I just said. Um, Christ did die on the cross for us, and, and our sins are forgiven. Uh, but but so, many, so many religious teachings tend to say, okay, now that you have been saved, now that your sins are forgiven, you need to get to work. <clears throat> you're, on a, uh, uh, you're on a self-improvement program from this point forward and you need to do a bunch of stuff. You need, to, you need to, you know, as I was preparing that little, you know, bulletin, you know, from the religious broadcast system, I, I went a lot more into detail with not, not just dealing with sin. Sorry, my nose is running. Uh, I don't know why, but it's just like a faucet or something. Um, but, but there's all this stuff that you shouldn't do, like sinning, And then there's stuff that you ought to do, like you you need to read so much of the word every day, and you need to pray so long every day, and you need to share your faith. And and it's all about oughts and shoulds so you'll be more pleasing to God. And, And that's just not the way this thing works. This is not the gospel. The gospel of grace sets us free from all that stuff so we can live out of the freedom that we have in Christ. And out of joy and out of peace and out of love that's just flowing out of our hearts, we begin to love the word we begin to love prayer we begin to to be so excited about what christ has done for us and the grace that he's given to us that we just can't help overflowing into the lives of other people which includes sharing our faith and 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 inviting people into that kind of relationship and i hope that we get so full of joy and so full of peace and so full of love that people are as as attracted to us as they were jesus because they're, they're they're like what is it about you that's different you ever been asked that question That's an awesome question. What is it about you that, that it's, I remember, guys, I'm not bragging on myself. I mean, I just, man, the worst summer of my life was the summer that I spent by myself. My parents went to Venezuela. My dad was working with this company called Reynolds International. And so my entire family went to Venezuela and my brother and my dad worked at this aluminum plant. And my mom and sister, you know, stayed in the apartment and played cards or something. I don't know what they did. But I house sat for my parents the summer uh, uh, of my 21st birthday. I was in Richmond, Virginia. It was the loneliest summer of my life. And I I probably struggled with my flesh more than any other time in in my life. And yet, when I was working at King's Dominion, it's kind of like King's Island. um, I worked in the food services department. And I worked with a bunch of knuckleheads, man. These guys just love to... They invited me to go to, to Washington, D.C. with them, and somebody warned me, you don't want to do that. I'd never been to Washington. I always wanted to go. I was going to go with them. They said, they're going to be smoking weed all the way there and all the way back, and even if you don't smoke it, you'll get a contact high. You won't be able to see out the windows for the, for the, for the smoke, but there was this one kid that was a couple years younger than me, and he just started like, following me around like a puppy. And he's like, he just kept saying, there's something about you, Neil. There's something about I want whatever that is you have. And I'm like, you don't want what I got because I'm a mess. But people see Jesus in us. And, and, and so I, I just long for the day when we're so filled with love and joy and peace because of the gospel of grace, because we know who we are in Christ, that we're just contagious. You know, Christianity is better caught than taught. And, uh, and so... What do we say, you know, this religious thing really sounds kind of good. Like, Jesus died for you. After all, he died for you. You should live for him, you know. Well, okay, yeah, fine, but I don't want to do that out of a guilt trip. I want to do that because I'm in love with Jesus. And so, by the way, it's not a self-improvement program. Last week, Dennis taught about an aspect of the gospel that almost no one ever talks about. I mean, it's hidden in plain sight in Romans 6. You died with Christ. We always talk about the gospel. Jesus died for your sins so that you are forgiven and you're right with God and you go to heaven when you die. Well, that's just great. But what about today? Like, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins, dying for me on the cross. I mean, I really appreciate it. I mean, that's awesome, right? If, our sins are for, if that's all Jesus did, that would be wonderful. But it's way, way more than that because when he died, we died with him. He took us with him in himself to the cross, to the grave, and into the resurrection so that we're now able to live a new life in the spirit. Jesus talked about our death with Christ last week. I'm going to talk about our resurrection life with him this week, all right? So let me find my notes here. So, yes, it's true that Jesus died for us, and it is just as true that we died with him. Look it up, it's all over the Gospels, it's all over the writings of Paul. Colossians 3, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Galatians 2, Paul, Paul's giving testimony. I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ, and he's trying to convince the Galatians, so have you. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The lie of religion is that the Christian life, after you're saved by believing in Jesus, is a self-improvement program. It is absolutely not true. I want to read just a few verses here from Romans uh, 6, verses 2 through 7. I think we have that, uh, if we can find it. Okay, so let's just, okay, by no means. He's talking about should, should we sin that grace might abound? No, 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 no. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live at it any longer? Paul is like, you died to sin. You died with Christ. So verse 4 We were buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too, having been raised with Christ, can live a new life in the Spirit. That's what's being said there. I want to talk about the new life this morning. I want to talk about this new life. Let's um, let's look at verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. I'm going to explain that a little bit more. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. All of our lives, when we were uh, when we were living in an unredeemed life, we were children of Adam. We had inherited the sin nature. We had inherited all that was bad about the human race. But in the moment that we put our faith in Jesus, something happened. It wasn't just that now Jesus is my Savior and Lord. But now, Jesus is literally my life. The same spirit that raised him from the dead has raised you and me from the dead and given us eternal life. But that life starts right here, right now. Right here, right now. You know, um, God didn't decide to try to improve on our old life in Adam. Like, he didn't say, okay... Jason, I you're a mess. I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on you. Okay, so you believe in Jesus? That's great. So let let's let's get you straightened out now. So let's just start working on sin A and sin B for now. And it's like it's like um, Dennis talked about the, the analogy of the cell phone. I love that. I thought it was a great analogy. There comes a point with a cell phone, and I've had two or three. I'd, I've gone through this with at least three phones. Where you've you know you have to it 's like a computer it starts acting up, and you have to kind of shut it down and and start it up again, and oh, everything seems to work fine for a while, but there comes a point when that doesn't work anymore and so we do what we call a factory reset it's a hard reset, and we you know we we do whatever we need to do and we we just shut it down and erase everything and start over, and that works for about three months and then it just crashes and burns and the only thing you can do with that thing is just throw it away, or sh- he mentioned shredding it, whatever, and you get a new phone, right? I like the analogy of, a, of someone that's been living in a house. And they, they've lived in this thing for a long time. But you know, the, 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 the cracks in the walls begin to get larger, and uh, when the wind blows, you know, it's cold and it's shaky, and the foundation is eaten up with termites, and the plumbing's rusted through, and the roof leaks, And you try and you you patch and repair and patch and repair, which is Romans 7, by the way. (laughs) And and, uh, you realize at a certain point, oh, wretched man that I am, how can I live in this house any longer? And God doesn't want to repair your house. He wants to demolish it and start over. Dennis called that the great termination. And that's what's happened. We've been terminated. But this morning, I want to talk about the the great germination, because when we were raised with Christ to live a new life, we received His Spirit. We received His Spirit. The title of my message this morning is New Life in the Spirit, New Life in the Spirit. We are dead to sin and dead to self, but we are alive unto God. So so look at, I want to show you three verses here real quick. I love this. Um, let's look at verse 7. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Give a personal testimony. I shared this last week in my uh, in, in, in communion. But a few weeks ago, I read, I read this paragraph from a book that I've been reading. How do we walk in freedom from sin, it says. This was revelation from the Holy Spirit. Count yourselves dead to sin. So let's look at verse 7. Verse 11 here, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Okay. Now, here's what he says. Your old master, who is no longer your master, when you died, you died to sin, and you were raised to live a new life in freedom from your old master's sin. Your old master will tempt you and pester you and try to bait you into captivity. Someone said it this way. I think it was Watchman Nee. We died to sin, but sin didn't die to us. And it's always going to be hanging around trying to fool us into coming back into captivity. But we don't have to do that. I've discovered this in a profound way. And here's how. This one sentence just, or this one paragraph just set me free. One of sin's more cunning strategies is to sow sinful desires and sinful thoughts into your mind and make, make you believe that they're yours. They're not. And here's how we know that. He says, don't be fooled. You have the mind of Christ, and Jesus never had a sinful thought. You're, we've talked about through the series, you're one with him. You're holy. You're righteous. You die to sin. Okay? So if a sinful thought enters your head, you can rest assured it did not originate in your Christ-like mind. Okay? Don't take ownership of it. If it flew in your left ear, let it fly out your right ear. But what you must not do is engage with it. Don't react to it. Don't dialogue with it. Don't wrestle. Don't begin to fight it. Just say, you know what, that's not me. I'm dead to this thing. And you can just walk right past the bully in the alley, and you don't have to give him your lunch money to get where you're going. I've used that analogy a lot. But there's, sin is like a bully in, in the alley, and you can't get past this bully on your way to school without giving him your lunch money. That's how this used to work. You were his slave. He was your master. And every time he presented you with a temptation, you almost felt obligated to succumb to it. Now we don't have to because it's not originating with us. If I'm fighting myself, I have a problem. But if I'm fighting something else, I mean, if, I, if I'm being engaged by something else, I now have a choice. And I can say, you know what? The Word of God says I died with Christ, which is what Dennis taught last week. And I'm alive unto God in Christ Jesus. He's my life. I don't need you. I'm dead to you. Goodbye. And we just walk away. Does that make sense? So powerful, so profound, so freeing for me. I don't know. So I want to share my text for this morning. And then we'll just springboard off of this for the rest of the sermon because this is about newness of life, new life in the Spirit. Man, this is so profound, guys. If we get a hold of this, it will transform our lives. It will transform our church. And I'm only telling you what's true of you. See, the problem is we believe lies. Do you know that there was a, there was a Japanese soldier in one of the islands in the South Pacific that didn't get the message that the war was over in 1945. And he lived for another 30 years thinking that World War II was still raging and the United States was trying to find him and kill him. And they somehow finally, like anytime anybody approached him, he would shoot at them. So they finally were able to set up a PA system and announce to him in Japanese with a very convincing person on the other end of this thing, Dude, the war is over. You can come out. Guys, the war against sin is over. We won in Christ. You can come out, yeah. Hallelujah. Why don't we start living that way? If you're living as a slave to sin, you're living a lie. And it's not your fault. You just didn't know. It wasn't his fault. He just didn't know the war was over. I'm telling you this morning, hey, the war's over. You can come out. You can live free from sin. Now, does that mean you'll never sin again? No. I mean, we stumble sometimes. But I love how, how Paul L. said it this way. He said, "A sinner that sins is like a lemon tree bearing lemon fruit, like bearing, you know, producing lemons. But a saint, a, a person who is in Christ Jesus that was de- that, that died with Him." and was raised with him and is now living in the spirit, that's like a rich man trying to steal money from a parking meter. I mean, I guess he could, but why would he do that? You don't need it, right? We don't need sin. We don't want sin, so why succumb to it? You've been set free. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're, you, so count yourselves, reckon yourselves by faith dead to sin, but alive unto God, alive unto God in his spirit, in Christ Jesus. Okay, listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. For the love of Christ controls us. Hallelujah. We're controlled by the the, the love of Christ. Let that sink in, man. Because we have concluded this, Paul says, that one died, Jesus died, Therefore, all have died. You know, he took the entire human race to the cross. You have to own that by faith. You have to say, thank you, Jesus, I received that. But it's a gift then. It's something we receive. And as ambassadors, we'll get into this, but as ambassadors for Christ, we just need to tell lost people, let's don't talk about their sin. He already took care of that. Let's just invite the prodigal home. You remember the prodigal started a speech and the father didn't even want to hear it. Father, I am no longer, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer where he's like, shut up. Go get the robe, the ring, and the sandals. Let's go. Let's get this thing on the, sh- this show on the road. Amen. He didn't want to hear all that stuff. The Father had forgiven him long before he ever decided to come home. In Christ, our sins are paid for. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting anyone's sins against them. That stuff's been dealt with. We just need to own it now. And those of us who have owned it, this is for you. One died for all, therefore, all have died. And he died for all, and those who live, so that those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. He didn't just die for us, guys, he was raised for us so that we could live a new life in the spirit with him. We're in Christ Jesus, that's your identity. Guys, look, if you're a sinner, say, by grace, then your identity is a sinner. And what do sinners do? Sin. Exactly. So that can't be who you are. You are in Christ Jesus, which means you're a saint. That's what Paul called even those knuckleheaded Corinthians, the worst group of people he ever wrote a letter to. He said, you're a bunch of immature babies. I have to speak to you like mere human beings. I can't talk to you as spiritual men, which is what you are, because your, your mind isn't even renewed yet. You're acting like a bunch of hooligans. You're living like heathen when you have the Spirit of God. But he, he writes to the saints in Corinth. So if they're saints, you are certainly saints. So we're not, we're not sinners saved by grace. We're saints who sometimes sin, and there's a huge difference. When you sin, you're a rich man robbing a parking meter. You're not a... You're not a lemon tree producing lemons anymore. Does that make sense? Please tell me you understand what I'm saying. So listen to this. Therefore, therefore, since Christ died for you and raised you from the dead, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Something new. Part of a new race. Jesus created a new race of people no longer rooted in the sins and fallenness and curse and death of Adam, cut off from that, terminated from that, and given new life in the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead and empowered him to do every miracle he ever did. That's what indwells you. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'm going to read that verse 17 again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old Adam, the old self, the old sinful you, has passed away, is dead, buried and done away with. The new has come, the new you, the new race, the new Nettie, the new Marie, the new Cindy, the new marina. You are new. You have a new spirit. You have the spirit for the first time. Your spirit was dead, and then the spirit of Christ, when you accepted him, the spirit of Christ came into your life and raised you from the dead and gave you a new life and filled you with the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of of God, the spirit that created the world. That's the power that's in you. The spirit who gives life. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Dead to sin, yes, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He has now given us his life, his spirit, and this spirit indwells us. Guys, think, think of it this way. Through the gospel of grace, Christ has done all the hard work on the cross, in making you right with God and dealing with all your sins. He put your old self to death so that you've died even to sin and now you are alive in the spirit and you can live from there and move out from there and and here's what's happened. You no longer live this sin-conscious, introspective, striving and straining life trying to stop sinning and trying to do what pleases God in your own strength. That's Romans 7. That makes you a miserable, wretched person. If you're trying to do this in your own strength, it just simply does not work. So you're moving from that sin-conscious life to a spirit-conscious life where you're living in the joy and the peace and the, the freedom and the victory of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and gave him the power to do every miracle he ever did while he walked this earth. <laughs> and, and listen to this. 1 John four seventeen. I think we have this. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. So it's not verse 17. I, I, I was mistaken. It's the next verse after that. As Christ is, so are we. In this world. Do you hear that? The Apostle John, who knew Jesus better than anybody, knew him before the resurrection, saw him after the resurrection in his glorified form, he probably knows Jesus better than just about anybody besides Paul, because Paul had a similar revelation and was the, the gospel was downloaded to Paul when he was in Arabia after his conversion. John says this, as Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, perfected, glorious, so are we in this world. We are the body of Christ. He is our head, but we are his body, which means we are his mouth, his eyes, his hands, his feet, he loves through us. He lives through us. He, he performs miracles through us. He said really clearly, I don't know how in the world half the church has explained this away by some weird interpretation of, of, a, of a, an, you know, an isolated verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that says that the gifts are going to pass away. Well, it's talking about when we see Jesus face to face, who needs faith? Who needs hope? Who needs Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Who needs healing? We're going to see him face to face. The only thing that's going to be left is love out of all those things. When we see him face to face. That's the perfect, not the Bible being completed. That's what they say. So Jesus says this, if anyone or anyone who believes in me, he will do, she will do the things that I've been doing and even greater things than these. And he did not put an expiration date on that. He didn't say, when the last apostle who's seen me dies. The same anyone there is the same anyone uh, for God so loved the world that whosoever, it's the same kind of word. It just means an all-inclusive whosoever. If anyone, whosoever believes in me will have eternal life, anyone who believes in me will do the things that I've been doing and even greater things than these. What if we really believe that, church? What if we begin to live in the power of that? in the freedom of that, in the, in, the, in the reality of that. Yeah, why not? In fact, you know, we talk about crossing the chicken line all the time. That's another way of saying stepping out of the boat onto the water. That's why Peter did that. Keep fixing our eyes on Jesus, saying, Jesus, if you've called me to live a supernatural life, then I'm stepping out of this boat. I'm stepping across the chicken line. I'm stepping into the reality of all that you have for me in your indwelling spirit, in the new life in Christ. You know, I love this. I didn't, I didn't have time to have, have Wes put this up here, so I'm just going to read this to you. So there's a story about Jesus in the Gospels. This has everything to do with what I'm talking about, so just bear with me for a moment. So Jesus, uh, they're, they're having this great feast of, of booths. It's a, it's this great feast. And what they would do in this feast is they would symbolically, that the high priest would take a pitcher and he would go down to the pool of Siloam and he would fill this silver pitcher and he would walk back to the, the you know the, the temple and he would walk in and he would pour this, Picture of water on the altar and it, it it symbolized something they didn't even understand fully what they just knew it was part of their ritual it symbolized the living water that god was going to give us through his spirit and it was complete silence when this was happening it was a it was a, the, the greatest day of the, it was the last day of this feast now listen to this <laughs> i love this so this is taking place And the high priest is walking with his silver pitcher of water, and he has no idea what he's doing, but he knows it's a ritual that has to be done. And this is what happens. Jesus steps out of line, breaks the silence, and says this, on the last and great day of the festival, greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, disrupting their religious ritual like he always did, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. <laughs> wow. What is, I mean, can you imagine the shock and awe and the disruption and, and the, the offense that these religious leaders took to this? Who is this carpenter Jew that steps out of line and raises his voice during this celebratory moment of silence when I'm doing this ritual, whatever it means? <laughs> Who knows, but, you know, we're supposed to do this. And then he says this. So, so let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever, whoever, whoever believes in me. Where have we heard that before just now? As Scripture has said, rivers of living, not a river, not a fountain, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now listen to this. This is John's commentary on this decades later. When he's writing this down for all to read. By this, he meant the Spirit who, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Guess what, guys? You've received it. You've received that living water. Up to that time, the Spirit of God had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Guess what? He's glorified, he's seated at the right hand of God. What's that? John 7, verses um, 37 through 39. So, three verses. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Talking about the Spirit of God. Stop. this, 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 This stops the renovation process, the morbid introspection and releases you to become a person of immense freedom, immense joy, immense peace, overflowing with rivers of living water. You have a well within you now. And that well can overflow into the lives of other people. Now, you can cap that well or you can release that well. Really, it's your choice. And most So many Christians have capped the well because they don't understand they even have one. This thing is really released by our faith. And so if we cap it, we just don't believe it's there. And we live our lives like we don't really believe this is there. Guys, do not trust in your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Well, Neil, I don't feel spiritual. I don't feel like I have a river of peace and joy and love flowing out of me. If you will start believing it and declaring it and acting on it, you will release those waters. You'll prime the pump to that thing and suddenly it will start to overflow. Amen. <laughs> Guys, we carry an immense, valuable resource that the world is desperate for. The world is dying of thirst right now. People around us are dying of thirst. I'm not going to put a guilt trip on you, but what I am going to say is that if you'll believe this, if you'll receive what I'm saying is the truth, because Jesus now has been glorified, you have received the Spirit, and he said, anyone, 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 that includes you and me, that believes this, rivers, rivers of living water will flow from within you, and you will be able to refresh and give drink and, 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 and take care of the thirsty people around you. No more guilt trips. No more oughts and shoulds, okay? This is just saying, you know what, God? You said I have a river. I have a fountain of, of life within me. I have the spirit. And, and from my inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Spring up a oh well. Spring up, oh well. Whether I feel it or not, I'm gonna trust that your word is truth and I'm gonna release it. I'm gonna uncap this. I'm gonna prime the pump by my faith. I'm gonna start living like this is true. I'm gonna start loving people. I'm gonna start, see, see you know what? I've spent most of my life squelching my joy. You know, you can do that. I would feel a little joy well up and a little peace well up and I'd be like, nope, I can't, I can't feel that. I'm not good enough yet. I haven't prayed enough. I don't know enough of God's word. I haven't witnessed enough. I haven't, shared, I haven't brought enough people to Christ, so I can't feel that joy. I can't feel that peace because I'm, I really don't deserve it. That's a bull malarkey. We don't, we don't deserve anything. Well, the only thing that human beings deserve is death, and we already died. <laughs> we deserve death, and so Jesus said, yep, that's right, let's go took us to the cross. Aren't you glad we didn't have to go through that pain? He did it for us, but we still died. We were crucified, co-crucified with him, and now we've been raised to live a new life in the Spirit. Let's get on with that. Not in a guilt trip way. Let's just release the Spirit. Let's just, re- let's just say, okay, I'll go ahead and experience that joy and that peace because it's mine to experience. Christ has purchased that for me. What if we had a whole church full of people like that? You know, you know. I, I, love, I love that there's, there's some people getting set free. Pam and Gene Kelly came to us a year ago. Gene told me the other night, he said, Neil, on the 20th, it'll be the first time I ever came to your church. And on the, tw- on the 23rd was the first time that we came to a church service here. So it's almost, he said, I'm going on a year. They're so excited about this. Pam Kelly went from being very religious And trying to, she just wanted to be a good person, to just letting the spirit just overflow in her life. And effortlessly she led her entire, her daughter, her son, and her grandson to Christ about three weeks ago. It was effortless. They saw the joy in her life, they saw the peace in her life, and they said, We want that. Whatever that is that's happening with you, we want that. And she was, she said, Okay, well, all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart and He'll come in. Guys, I, I'm going to give you just a sneak, sneak I'm going to close with this. I'm giving you a sneak preview of Vision Sunday as, as hey, there's my granddaughter. You're awesome. Dada. Yeah, he's leading worship. Praise Jesus. All right. So, guys, um, as Wes and Dennis and I have kind of worked through a process of, of you know, for, for this vision for our church, one of the things that we had to do was kind of answer the question, what's our mission? What's our mission as a church? And, and this is how we kind of, this is we kind of landed on. And I, I'm sure that this will be tweaked and so forth as we move, you know, because th- this is all new to us. I mean, this is the first time we've really walked through a process like this. But this is, this is the mission that we, the mission mandate that we feel like we, we want to move people who have been infected by religion who are empty and broken people with broken hearts and broken lives to become people who are confident that they are one with a loving God and are on a mission from Him and with Him into the lives of other people. Isn't that awesome? So we want you to know who you are. If you've come here broken, you've come here with all kinds of religious toxins in you, we want to get rid of that stuff so you can become a person who is confident in their oneness with Christ, who is no longer broken and broken-hearted and broken in their lives, and, and who are just that you know you're one with God and you're on a mission from him and with him. Because we don't go out from God to do what God's called us to. He sends us and then we co-mission with him to go, he goes with us and we go with him, and together. We do what I'm talking about. Touch the lives of other people. Isn't that awesome? Let's live like we're alive in the Spirit. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.